several Sundays we have went through um, chapter 11 and 12 and 13 and uh, I trust that you uh, have enjoyed that and um, it seems fitting to me and hopefully the Holy Spirit that we just kind of continue on to the next book which is James how many have read James uh, several times it's always <clears throat> ah this is what I need like one of those books and especially the first chapter I don't know uh, <clears throat> what it is about just life but life has uh, a uh, always a um, what would you say something uh, that we're working at working on or it's coming at us so we, we cannot go through this life without having some kind of, of uh, test, uh, some kind of uh, battle, so to speak, or some kind of conflict. Uh, be, and what we, would, we would maybe wonder, is God, sometimes when we have a trial, is God trying to tell me something? Uh, we have sometimes questions, did I do something to God to offend him? And I think all those questions are legitimate but I do not believe that God just dumps trials on us because he's mad at us. This, that, that don't have, that's not his nature. But because we live in a fallen world, because we live in a, a sin-filled uh, nature, because we have a, a sin nature we were born with, we don't have to teach a baby how to uh, become selfish. You never noticed that. Because we are in this world, the Bible said we will have trial, but we are encouraged to be, look up, look up. In fact, as James is going to say here in verse 1 and 2, consider it all joy. How do you do that? How can you... Have joy in the midst of a trial. That's got to be a God thing. That's got to be something beyond yourself. And it, it, it can happen. It's because joy is, joy is beyond circumstances. Circumstances often determine our mood. Our mood swing up or down. Our, our degree of happiness. But there's something deeper than happiness. This goes beyond what we know as joy. Joy is the gift of, a whole, of the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Right? Have joy. It comes from the Lord. And so it's not to say that you should... You, you have a problem if you are sad sometimes or you're broken or you're hurting. We should never downplay someone who's going through a hard time. We should just get over it. We should never say that. We should grieve with them. We should pray with them. We should support. We should hear what they're saying. But James is saying something what he wants us to what what he wants us to hear and know is that when you get to this trial with God's help, you're going to be stronger. You're going to be more like Jesus. 
the fact of the matter is we say we want to be like Jesus, right? How many like to be like more like Jesus? I do. But you know what? The Bible says that he learned obedience in Hebrews. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Through suffering. I don't like suffering. I don't think anyone does here, here likes suffering. It's no fun. It doesn't feel good. It's, it's hard. But when we look past it, if it's necessary, scriptures that, uh, that I pull in here sometimes when I'm, when I'm preparing a message, I'll get a scripture that will come to me and I'll write it down to, to, to support the other scripture that I'm reading. Uh, and I encourage you, when you're reading the Bible, when you're studying the Bible, if, if you're trying to, something comes to you that you, you can't find it, if you can't, some of you guys know how to use this device, right? It's called a concordance. I still have the old-fashioned concordance in my office, a book about 20 pounds. And not quite. I'm exaggerating. But I have to, I have, I don't use the device. I just still dig, and if I can't find the verse, I'll start combing through the concordance. But you guys know how to use the device, huh? And so you use you use what you, what's there. Find the verse. Oftentimes the Holy Spirit, I believe, wants us to be reinforced from other scriptures. What happens if you just pull one scripture out of the Bible and all of a sudden this is what you, you just, this is it. This is, you build, the, you build your, all, uh, all your thinking on that one verse. What happens, you, begin, you, you, you start to, you, you're only eating one thing. If you just ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all your, every meal, what in the world? What in the world? How would you, you know, all of a sudden things just start feeling lousy. We're looking for balance. And so the scripture is a balance, a whole, whole, I would say, um, I hate to use the word buffet. I don't want you to have the wrong approach. Better word, better word. I don't want your appetite to go crazy either. The scripture is a library, so to speak. 66 books that support one another. Now, I'm reading through the Bible like I do, and I try to get through it every year. Old Testament, and then I read the New Testament some. My, my habit is I grab a proverb. If I'm reading the proverb of that day, it helps me stay in the proverb. You can never read the Psalms enough because it's so much, so much, so much, so much good. You can get like, oh, this is, this is what I need. This is what I need. But you cannot have a total picture until you, and I encourage you, I'm just kind of plowing through Leviticus right now, to be honest. I'm just kind of plowing through it. Did you know there were so many rules and regulations? We would, we would be in church for days, lined up, bringing our sacrifices. Amazing. What, what a job the priests had. Aaron's sons. These guys were good at what they were doing. They got good at it. 
I mean, these guys, it was messy. It was messy. But it was what God required at that time. Now we get in the New Testament and James is like, wow, this, this kind of hits me right where I'm at. This is like, this is our day. I don't know how many Christians, how long you can go saying, well, I, 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 everything's just sale. We're just doing so great. We don't have a trial. We don't have a test. We don't have a problem at all. Well, if you read the Bible, you'll find that the early church had a lot of lots and lots of challenges. The early church were facing an enemy. The early church were facing religious people who hated the Christians and who destroyed the Christian. Paul was one of them. He later became converted. James says, Consider it all joy, my brethren. When you encounter various trials, and the word various is interesting, it's New American Standard, various trials comes in all kinds of shapes and forms. What's a trial to you may not be such a big deal to me, but it's, if it's a big deal to you, it's still a big deal for God because God concerns about, he's concerned about your, your heart and he's concerned about what you're going through, what you're carrying today. Varieties of trial, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That you may be perfect and complete. Lack. How can anyone get to that point where they're perfect and complete? How are you going to get there? How are you going to get stronger? How are you going to build up your endurance except that you're going through some kind of trial that produces in you a, a strengthening that when you are going through the trial, you're, you're praying more, I'll guarantee. That. If, you're, if, you're, if you're seeking God more, it's usually when you're, you're, you're concerned, you're burdened. Produces endurance. What is endurance? Endurance is having the ability to stick with it, even though it hurts, knowing that you're going to get through it, knowing that you're on, on track with God. It's endurance knowing that you're running a pace, you're setting a, a rhythm. There's a rhythm in our Christian walk. There's a rhythm that is air we breathe, and so to speak, there is life that we take in every day with God. He is, he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Every morning you get up, he says his mercies are new. Lamentations. Some people will say, well, I don't want to bore God with all my problems. I don't want to... You know, he's too busy for, he's too busy to worry about my problems. You know what, he's, he's always looking for people that will humble themselves. You know what gets the attention of God? Is a cry of a brokenhearted, a cry of a broken spirit, a sincere heart. Jesus. He is a good shepherd. He cares. He knows about his sheep. He knows about when you're up and when you're down. He's concerned when you're up. and if you, He's concerned about what's bothering you. Listen, what should we do when we're in trial? 
What should we do according to Scripture, according to these verses? We'll look at them. Verse 5 says, if any man lacks wisdom, wisdom, I heard one of the best definitions of wisdom. It came from one of the men of this church. He said, seeing, it's seeing it from God's perspective. Wisdom is seeing from God's perspective. I would chime in with Proverbs that says the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord, to fear God. In other words, the fear God means to honor, respect, realize he's God, I'm down here. Realize he is God, he is holy. Nothing is too hard for him. Realize that he absolutely is always truth. He's always truth. He will never speak. He cannot sin. He cannot tell a lie. He's always the same. It's truth. And so sometimes our trials are consistent of aches and pains, the body. Sometimes our trials consist of having to wonder where we're going to have enough to pay this bill. Sometimes our trial is when you break down on the halfway here to North Dakota somewhere. That's a trial. And sometimes trials come with relationships, which can be some of the hardest things people can go through. Hurts, conflicts, pains. Don't even know why. And so you look at this verse, if any of you lacks wisdom, Lord help me to have wisdom. How do I respond? What do I do? What is, what is the godly thing to do? What is the godly thing to say or not say? Sometimes the godly thing is not to say anything, but sometimes the godly thing is to, is just to pour your heart out to the Lord. But he says to ask, I want wisdom. I need wisdom. I need to ask for wisdom. Should I ask then, well, I hope he gives it to me. No, he says ask with faith. Ask in faith, verse 6, without any doubting. When you ask God for wisdom, expect God to give you the wisdom. For he says that man who doubts is like a, a surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. That's an interesting verse or two because unstable he says he's unstable well here's a man who asks in faith you may not get that wisdom to you right there at the very moment when you need it oftentimes that's the way it works you took a step of faith you asked God for wisdom but you did not know what you were going to say till you actually 
were there or you did not know what to do until God gave you the idea. Um, how many have ever lost something in the house or in the misplaced? Yeah. I can't remember when lately we, we, we prayed about something. What was it? Contact, a contact. And lo and behold, we stumbled and shuffled and rumbled and threw the, the drawer and found one. I don't know. The interesting thing about our Lord is he's so awesome, so powerful, yet he cares about the little things that might bother you and I. He's not so big and mighty that he does not come down to where you live by his Holy Spirit. He's with you. He wants to engage, engage with your mind and your heart. He wants you to be engaged in walking and talking. And this, this whole uh, Christian life, the so-called Christian life, is not a bed of roses. You figured that out a long time ago, Ed. It's not a bed of roses. But you, you learn to trust. You learn to wait. You learn to pray through. You learn to endure to the end. You learn to persevere. Your perseverant muscles get stronger. Somehow we can, we'll make it through by the grace of God. By the grace of God. When everything is going wrong seemingly, we wonder, is God left us? Has God forsaken us? Is God, does he care about our prayers anymore? Well, James says to consider it all joy. In other words, look past the trial to see what it produces, what is what he's really saying. Faith produces endurance. Endurance leads us to becoming more complete, perfect, perfect. Not, I don't think he's saying we're going to be perfect, that what we're more like him, more like him in character, in character. We're more like his character than we were before. The brother of humble, he says in verse 9, let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high, but think about that. Let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position. In other words, God exalts the humble. And he doesn't care for the attitude of the pride. Humbleness will get you where you need to go with God. Humility, surrender, saying, Lord, you know what's going on. I, in, unto you, unto you, into your hands, I commit this need to you. And you might have to do that several times just to get to the day or the hour. Are you like me? If it keeps coming back, Lord, again, I bring it to you. I bring it to you. We are oftentimes struggling with our own humanity our, in our own weaknesses. And we're trying to, we're trying to somehow 
figure out how it's all going to work out. And what God is saying, if you will pray, if you will seek me, if you will trust in me. You see, God is not so concerned about, uh, I think he's more concerned about what you do and how you respond in the trial and the trial itself. And he's, he's able to take care of. He's able to speak life for their needs. He's able to bring healing. He's able to soften hearts. And we read on. At the brother of humble circumstances, glory in his high position. Let the rich man glory in his humiliation. Because like flowering grass, he will pass away. Isn't it interesting how you see, th- as the older you live, You've seen how things have changed across the landscape of our rural America, especially. How there are so many empty, empty barns. There's so many empty farmhouses. I mean, this is a way time has changed things. Our culture has shifted. Our our way of of farming has become multi instead of family oriented so much. It's, it's shifted. It's kind of a sadness almost to it. But there's there's a sense, even if the person had all the riches in the world, even if he was the most uh, well-off person you could think of, he would not be any happier than a person who was living in a shack. In fact, the matter, the person who lived in a shack and had God and was content would be much better off than a person who had a mansion here on earth and was so distraught and so worried about losing everything and losing you see the difference without God. It's not that you cannot have riches, but riches should not have you. That's all it is. God looks, here's the wisdom. The day will come when that, that kingdom, so to speak, that era will fade away. That new truck will fade. That new rifle label whatever you want it will fade and we can't we can't say this is what's going to make me happy oh if i only get this this is what that i'm going to be on i'm going to be a man of, i'm going to just be as happy as can be you know it all wears off i, I remember ah, kids i remember things back you know like you guys when you're kids so often my brother lenny and I got a BB gun for Christmas. It was, wow, it was like a daisy, you know. I opened mine brand new, brand spanking new. I was just so happy. Lenny's opening his, and he's, what? He's going, what is this? It's an old junker. Well, one of the brothers played a trick on him. It was just an old beat-up thing that didn't work, rusty. And then he was just mad. You can imagine. He gets a new one and I get this junker. What's this all about? Funny then he reached up in the closet and pulled out in there. And here you go. And he was all happy. I just tell that. That just proves again how we are. I mean, and Lenny has matured so much. So much. He has. My brother Lenny. You'd have to know him to understand him. I mean, he's someone who probably could have been born back in the 1800s and just done fine. He's just, he's been a, 
a woodsman, a trapper, I mean, just all the stuff. And yet he has a humility for the Lord nowadays. I've never, I've never, I'm just happy. I'm just proud. I'm just proud. He has been through much, though. He's had a sick wife for many years. She's battled cancer, but she, through the grace of God, is continuing to live and keeping that under control. I'm, I'm telling you, we do not know from one day to the next, but we can know where to go. And we know our God. God knows us. And if anything's coming against us, we need to, be, as a people of God, let's, let's join our hearts together. Let's not, you were never meant to go through trials alone, right? You were never to suffer alone. If you can find someone that you can relate to in the Lord, boy, do it. Pour your heart out. Bridge together. Join together. Pray one for another. So scriptural. When there's one that's hurting in the body, the other to respond and reach out. None of us are ever exempt from some kind of trial. The good news, the day will come. I believe he will reveal all things. And he will, you will understand. Deuteronomy 29, 29, I've learned to come to love this verse. The secret things belong to God. There are some things you will never on this earth ever, ever understand about God. There are some things that happen you can never quite fully figure it out. The secret things belong to God. The, but the things he's revealed to us, the things he's revealed, he's revealed them to us. In other words, we have enough that has been revealed to us that we are going to be able to get through. That's why faith is required. Faith is, you don't know all the details. And to the natural man, not knowing all the details is a scary thing. And especially if you're a person that is, operates with, I got to get everything figured out, and that's okay. I believe in there's different personalities. Some are really good at planning the whole year, planning their whole life, in fact. They know where they want to go and how they're going to get there. A lot of us... We just trust God. We're not maybe the best at planning, but we could be better. We need each other to balance each other out. Meanwhile, as a battle rages today, as a battle rages in the spirit realm, what is most important? As the battle rages, and you see them, see him coming at your loved ones. So you see him picking away at at people who are close to you. We are going to see. You know what? We don't have to stand by and be idle. We can bring this to the Lord. We can call upon God. We can call upon His name. We will persevere. 
We will not let the enemy have the upper hand. I will not let Satan steal my joy because joy is with God. Joy is trusting God. And verse 12, James 1, we wrap it up with this thought. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, but once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. I don't know about you, I never think about a crown of life. I believe that we're going to cast our crowns before the Lord. He's the one that needs to be crowned. But in the fact of the matter is, there is a crown. There is a crown that awaits the person, the believer, who especially has suffered much for the cause of Christ especially for those who have been martyred, especially those who, who have, uh, have went through hard places and not caring about their own self and needs. They put themselves on the line. They, I think about missionaries like Dwight Palmquist. I think about Calvin Olson, who, who when he was alive, he spent hours and days fasting. Even when he was sick and had cancer, he determined that he would still fast. But the doctor said, your husband, he told Miriam, your husband needs to stop fasting. He's too sick. And he wouldn't quit until Miriam called Brother St. Clarence John, the superintendent, and he listened to him. He said, he called, you know how Clarence talks. This is Clarence. I understand that you're not obeying the doctors. <laughs> and so that, that whole, if Clarence St. John called you, you'd probably listen to him. He was a superintendent. But now, ah, that was, he, he is, Calvin Olson, if you got to know him, humble, humility just a man of God. I just think God calls and equips all of us for different callings, different giftings, different places. Um, you can't say, well, if I can only be like that person, well, then maybe I'd be a better, you know. Don't do that. Say, what, Lord, here I am. Help me to be faithful with what you've given me. What is it that you want? How can I do it better? Can I somehow be an encouragement to someone else? Your pain may be the times where you grow the most. God never wastes pain. I don't think he ever wastes anything. That he uses your pain. He wants to, you to come. Lay it at his feet. I really sometimes think we can take on more than we are called to bear. And we begin to worry. We try to figure it out on our own. And what God is saying, you just trust me and I've got you. I've got this. I've got your backside. You trust me. You believe. 